Welcome to another episode of Paranormal The New Normal. And this is the first for this show, and I am very happy it's happening. I have yet to have an actor on this show, or a director, or a filmmaker of... Watch, okay, I'm sorry, that's not true. I've had a filmmaker on before. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> but I've yet to have a combo of all three together, so that's a first for sure. And my guest today is Bo Roberts, director, filmmaker, and actor as well. He's a man of many talents. How are you doing today, Bo? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Uh, how are things on your end? Uh, you told me about the unfortunate uh, lawn mowing incident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the lawn mowing incident is, was not fun. It was definitely not fun. And for my listeners, because I haven't just happened today, I literally almost took myself out with a lawnmower uh, by backing into a pile of logs. And let's just say it's a cut up leg, cut up arm, and a sore tailbone. And I almost, I almost got my legs cut to shreds today. So it's been an interesting thing. <laughs> and I am in a little bit of pain. But thankfully, twisted tea should help with that. Hopefully, along with some green herbs. But so. Bo has a new movie, which I believe is coming out or did already release. Yes, it has come out. It's currently on uh, Tubi, uh, two more channels called Loku and Momento or Moment 2. And then uh, it was actually just picked up by Amazon Prime uh, this past Wednesday. So that's currently being onboarded. Uh, movies being sent to them, the uh, artwork or the poster and uh, the movie trailer. So, yeah. Uh, that's awesome, because once it's on Prime, I'll definitely be checking it out, because I don't have a... I mean, I'm not a fan of Tubi, personally, but I don't like ads during my movies. But when it comes to Prime, I'll totally be watching it. For sure. Which, yeah. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a preview of what your movie's about, as much as you're willing to give away. I don't want you to give away any spoilers you don't want to. Gotcha. Uh, so... Uh, this movie is called The Great Awakening, and this is my COVID movie without it being a COVID movie. Um, I decided uh, in uh, 2020 during lockdown, uh, I'm just going to pass the time and come up with a, a new script and uh, or a new idea. And I did that and worked with my writer, Joey, to really flesh it out and stuff. But the, uh, the, the idea of what the movie is, it's not about contracting covid it's not about the vaccine turning you into a monster it's not lockdown being that's enslavement of the human race and stuff that's very kind of uh, on the nose directly related to covid uh for me um i relied on a documentary i watched called nightmares in red white and blue and this documentary has all of the heavy hitters from Wes craven to george A. romero and just just one banger after another on screen talking about how they just made sense of society and they, you know, got very symbolic with kind of what was happening during that time, um, you know, in society. So, you know, it's some examples you have post-World War II in the 50s. Um, a lot of movies had an apocalyptic atomic bomb scare theme and you get to the 60s with uh, uh, drug experimentation, The Summer of Love, Woodstock, and uh, a lot of movies you know, carried a theme of like some uh, pot smoking um, hippie kidnapping daddy's little angel. And then you get to the 70s when uh, the summer of love ended, uh, love ran out, and uh, this country had, you know, Watergate, Vietnam happening, and just a, a lot of kind of raw emotion happening. And that's when movies turned ultra violent. So, enter in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that. So, I took that principle of, okay, what does 2020 mean to me? So uh, COVID is introduced and then uh, I'm hearing uh, stuff about lockdown, but not just for us, like the entire world, people that, you know, we never agree with all of a sudden we agree. Everyone's going into lockdown um, except for a couple States here and there, but um but yeah, so um, that, and then all of a sudden, murder hornets uh, were on the news, and then they just kind of vanished. And, um, the CIA released over 10,000 documents confirming uh, interactions with UFOs, and that was even trending on social media. Um, that you, you had a, 
all of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations and uh, rioting, and then you had a very turbulent election year, and just like one curveball after another to the point that I had no idea what was happening, so um, or what was coming next. So that's what turned into my common thread for my movie, which is to summarize the year 2020 with one word, which is uncertainty. So from creating the story to the way it was shot, the way, um, you know, I polished it in post and I teamed up with uh, my buddy Casey and, you know, he was doing sound design and uh, post work in general on it. But the entire effort of every stage of the movie is to recreate the emotion of uncertainty. So as you watch it, uh, something may make sense of, okay, the scene is a girl taking out the garbage, but the way I decided to, um, you know, have that play out on screen, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, why is this happening? What, why is she wearing diamond earrings and a ball gown with a white shawl? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you're just like, I don't, I know what's happening, but the way that it is happening, it just seems kind of weird. So that's very intentional, again, to provoke the emotion of uncertainty. Which I kind of get that scene because people were doing a lot of crazy things when lockdown first happened just because they actually got to go out of their house to the front of their driveway. And that was like the most that some people got to go for a month or like a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, I mean, Amer- America was nothing compared to the rest of the world with the lockdown because we still mm-hmm. got to go grocery shopping. We still got to do everything else because... We, we could because we needed to, but yet yeah. over, I, I know over in Italy, they were completely locked down and they were not able to mm-hmm. leave their homes. I mean, there was all those videos in the news of them all singing out their windows just to try to have some companionship with people, <laughs> but, yeah. which is adorable story on top of everything. That was an adorable story. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, COVID definitely is something that I expect we're going to see a lot more movies based around in the future. I can't say I've really seen one that is based on it yet. I can't say I really have. I mean, I know people say that movie Parasite that came out and won an Academy Award like the year before COVID was very close to COVID and it's kind of weird, but. Interesting. Um, yeah, like I've seen, you know, a, a few because, you know, in doing research for the movie, the way that the story actually began for me was. Um, uh, I started off by making a, a parody movie. Like, it, um, if you're a fan of horror movies, you probably watched the comedy movie called Scary Movie, and it's oh, just yeah. So the the I, ideas I, I came up with were very intentional on like, okay, what's a COVID movie? Oh, Haunted House. You don't want to stay in the house because it's haunted, but you can't leave because of lockdown. And oh yeah, there's there's an idea. So how can I? play on it so i was actually creating a story um that that was gonna uh, be a parody of all of the movies but my intention was to do to put that movie out before all of the covid movies came out so i was doing that and then once i changed the boyfriend's role um to him studying to become a pastor because you know back to it i was trying to make sense of okay since i'm throwing the kitchen sink at this script idea i need to have somebody get possessed so you know what's the and you know how can i open the door for that oh well let's have you know somebody studying and going into religion and stuff like that and just as a quick sidebar um uh, when when i decided that the boyfriend is studying to become a priest i made him uh, study online because a lot of news headlines came out about a lot of college students that were just infuriated about having to spend so much money for college, but they couldn't actually go to the campus to get, to essentially get what they paid for. So all of a sudden they pay, you know, an exuberant amount of money to go to school and now they have to do homeschooling. And so that was a big thing. So, uh, so that's why the, the boyfriend is actually doing homeschooling to learn how to become a pastor. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting, and yeah, I actually during COVID, I got I lost my job during COVID because our business basically died at the beginning of it, and by the time they issued the lockdown, that all non non essential businesses must let their employees either work from home or get laid off, 
And my boss was strictly against working from home because he thought people would just slack off. Ironically enough, I work from home now with my new job. So, <laughs> but so it worked out. It worked out, but I don't know. But I mean, it just worked. It worked out, and so I I understand that because I was basically at home for six, seven months. Like my family wouldn't let, like we weren't. Our family didn't want us coming over because they they were avoiding each other basically because they didn't want to spread anything if they had anything. I mean, everybody right. was in that state of that true state of panic, which. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, this is uh, I mean that's that's why this relates to the paranormal in the way because the paranormal has a tendency to bring states of panics around. I mean, go back to Momo, the Missouri monster, back in the sixties, seventies, forties, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, go to the Mothman incident in the seventies in in um, West Virginia, Point Pleasant. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just all these creatures when they appear bring states of panic. And that's why I thought this topic would be good to relate to that because COVID was our newest state of panic in the last few years. And even now, I mean, it's still going on, but it's not talked about now because as much because one vaccines and, but now it's talked about, are the vaccines bad for you? Which that's a whole nother topic. I'm not going to get into in this show, <laughs> but, yeah. and now, and now the newest panic is monkeypox. Yep. Which, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, especially now that I work at home, but, I mean, I was working still in retail markets every day when that first started, and I still wasn't worried about it because, as far as I know, I, it wasn't really spread around in this part of the United States yet. But I guess now yeah. it's getting worse. I don't know. I don't. I don't follow. I don't follow the news. In my mind, if you if you want to be depressed, you watch the news. If you don't want to be depressed, yeah. just watch watch something. Watch a good movie. Watch a good TV show. Mm-hmm. Which, speaking of that. How did you get into this business? That's why that's why I'm kind of curious about. Like, what made you want to be a actor, then turned filmmaker, director? Gotcha. Um, yeah, so I got into it because I moved down to Florida. Um, at the time, I was going to school, uh, majoring in psychology, had a career in law enforcement, was doing the whole uh, cage fighting thing, even, and then um, yeah, met some girl on spring break. Um, wound up moving down to Florida to be with her. And then uh, it, it came down to it on, okay, what should I do for money? Cause I, I left, you know, my, my structure that I've known my entire life, what should I do? So I had a couple, you know, odds and end jobs, uh, just trying to make sense of kind of what stuck out to me and what direction I, I wanted to go with. And, and then um, I actually got fully trained and showed up to work on the first day to be a door-to-door Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman. Oh and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember this guy, this guy pulled up and he was working like the same area as me. So I walked over to him and said, Hey, so, uh, I was informed that these people are interested in the vacuum cleaner, but before they drop like, you know, a couple thousand dollars, they're wanting to do a test drive on it is that accurate? And he's like, nah, dude, uh, you're cold calling. These people have no idea that you're coming. So you're going to have the door slammed in your face a lot. And I said, Oh, thank you for the heads up. I, you know, went back to the office, handed in the gear and everything, and then went home. And at that time, my girlfriend's friends were saying, Oh, you know, he's super handsome. He, He could model and this and that. And I'm like, no, I'm a, I'm a fighter and you know x y and z well after i came home after you know abandoning being a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman uh, i was like all right honey how do i get into this whole model stuff and um so uh you know we went online uh submitted um some pictures and um all of a sudden that got me working in tampa bay and orlando and going on online to see various uh castings and auditions and whatnot i began seeing acting auditions so uh that's something that was always of interest to me but i just kind of assume oh i'm just that that guy from the midwest that thinks you being on tv would be cool so uh but now i'm actually being exposed to it and it's something that i can actually pursue and see you know what comes of it so um i did a short film and then had a bit part in a couple uh, feature films and then I 
instantly knew that's the direction I wanted to go in. So I passed on offers. Uh, um, so I, I went down to South Beach, Miami to kind of run with the Bulls, so to speak, signed with a, uh, a big agency down there. And but then I passed on offers to go to Cape Town, South Africa, so I could go straight to New York and still work as a model and take care of my overhead, but also um, start actually going to acting school and training and actually making sense of how to do it the right way. So that's what, uh, that's what got me into it. All right. That's a, I mean, that's a fascinating story to sell. Cause I mean, it's funny. Cause I actually, I bought a, I bought a Kirby vacuum up one of those sales guys that goes door to door. And <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, I mean, no, I mean, okay, well pun intended, but that's a job that really just sucks. Like yeah. it literally, it literally does. Cause I mean, I could never be a door-to-door salesman for anything because getting the door slammed in my face so many times, I would do the same thing. I'd walk back in the office and be like, yeah, I'm done. Screw this. I mean, that's right up there with being like a Jehovah's Witness going door-to-door because it's just not it's just not fun because people are going to slam the door in your face if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, they're just going to treat you like shit because they think you're a nuisance, like some some people. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I politely turn people away, at least. I know a lot of people do, too, but or they just pretend they're not home and don't answer the door. But mm-hmm. I, I actually had that. I have a Kirby vacuum in my basement. Paid a good twelve hundred dollars for it. But nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I, I don't, we don't even use it anymore because it's such a pain in the ass to use it. But they're so complicated for a vacuum; it's ridiculous. But yeah, there's a a lot of parts that you can take apart with it, and you know, attachments, and it, it's it's a whole thing. It's a, a big procedure for sure. Oh, I, I used it for carpet, like carpet cleaning once, like with the whole like shampoo yeah. feature. The thing they give you to put the water in is so small. You have to constantly change it like every couple of feet. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I'd have better luck dumping a bucket of water on the floor and then doing it. Like, I like Jesus. <laughs> like, it's just... But so, yeah, you had some roles here and there, which we, I mentioned this off camera to him, but. I'll mention it now because I recognized him from Mindy Project because I saw that in his IMDb page. And I was like, I've seen your episode of that show. I can picture this. And I looked up like I, I, looked, I read the episode description. I'm like, yep, I remember the episode now. And I remember his seeing his face on it. And he also was American Horror Story, but apparently in full makeup. So I couldn't recognize him on that. But I did watch that whole season. So I'm sure I saw the scene he was in. That was a oh, yeah. that was a good season besides the whole guinea pig in the microwave thing that kind of set made me sad because i had game picks (laughs) but well yeah and to me it's like anytime you have like it's and most people i I know in the horror community it's like they're totally fine with seeing people get chopped up and you know even if they don't deserve it if they're truly a victim anytime you even look at an animal the wrong way it it turns people off like it's uh, it's a very touchy situation so you know, like why, you know, why it still shows up time to time. I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, it's the shock factor. They want people to be like, oh my God, no. And start like, some people start tearing up over and everything. Like, mm-hmm. like they, they want, they want that shock factor. That's why they do it. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I, I mean, I like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm a juggalo, so I love clowns, but I was kind of mad that whole season. There was no reference to juggalos. I got to say that. I, I've been waiting for a chance to say that on recording on a recording forever, and I finally get a chance to say it. But, but awesome. And okay, oh, the last thing I want. The well, last I, thing I asked about uh, that though. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I was just going to show you on a Pandora. For whatever reason, um, yesterday um, I went to the ICP uh, station on Pandora, and that's what I've been going to the gym to for the past two days. <laughs> so, oh. Damn! Talk about uh, synchronicity here. I mean, that's just, right. Yeah, that's we, that's crazy. Couldn't, couldn't have planned. Couldn't have planned that if we tried. And I will say, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, you do not, you do not look like that person to listen to ICP. So <laughs> that's just a shock. <laughs> I mean, juggalos kind of have like a look about them. I mean, I am one, so I can say that. But they do. I mean, we just simply do. I've been to enough concerts to see that. But respect, respect, and they are a good workout. Freaking music. I love. That, I, I used to love going to the gym to that. Yeah, and and they're yeah and they're hyper talented like they they definitely do the the type of uh rap that i'm into to where the, a lot of times they're injecting uh comedy and humor into what they're saying so it's it's crazy and for me i'm from a 
Southern Indiana. So I, I remember when Juggalos would come through to do the um, like extreme hardcore uh, wrestling matches and stuff. So, you know, you know there, there was a time that, um, and I think ICP directly, they used to, used to do that stuff to where it's like oh, having yeah. a attack match and whatnot. So, yeah, like, um, I'm not sure if it was, you know, them directly or if it was fellow jugglos or, um, you know, just fans of them. But, yeah, there was, like, jugglos that used to come through my area, and uh, I would go watch them get body slammed on tax and, they had bring your own weapon night to where people would, you know, take like a fluorescent light tube and hand it to the wrestler and they would smash it on a guy's face. And Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that was JC, that was JC, that was JCW Juggalo championship wrestling, uh, championship wrestling, You're which, right. <laughs> and, nice. and, 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 uh, yeah, ICP was directly involved in that. They, until I think 2005 or four, somewhere around there until then they were actually wrestling in matches like until then. But then they got yeah. older, and, and they said like they would return for one or two more after that. But they basically said at that point like our bodies can't take this anymore. Like we need to pass it on yeah, to the. <laughs> and I mean, they they wore on WCW and then WWF back in the day in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean they were they. There's a funny story in their book about them being in a at SummerSlam at SummerSlam ninety uh, nine or ninety eight whatever it was where they performed the AT theme song. They had a match, and they were in the dressing room with Undertaker and Stone Cold. So, there's a funny story where they're like they were terrified of these two like mega stars being in the same like dressing room as them. I mean, it's just, I mean, especially the Undertaker. That's just intimidating. That's intimidating as could be. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, wow, wow. (laughs) Of all things we're going to talk about tonight, I never imagined it would be ICP (laughs) and being a juggalo. That's just mind blowing, mind blowing. But so you did all these roles and then what did it mean to you to finally make like your own movie? Like to finally say, I can do what all these directors are doing. I can make a movie and make it amazing. Like how, what that, what that mean to you when you did that? It uh, honestly, it means the world with uh, the more uh, reviews coming in and with people watching it, um, it's landing exactly how I wanted to, to where, like uh, thus far, the the worst feedback I'm getting is actually how I plan on you know scaling up in my business to where people are saying, yeah, I watched it, and I can tell he knows what he's doing, but he didn't have the budget to do it the way he wants to, and I just I'm wanting to take a screen capture of that quote and show it to investors and be like, look, people are like you know they they're on board with what I'm doing, they get what I'm going for but they see that I just need more money to do it. So that's like the worst feedback that I've received on it. Um, yeah. And for me, it, it goes back to the horror community to where, um, you know, more times than not, you're not watching something that's like a $10 million production. Like vast majority, you know, it's like indie filmmakers and the indie, indie sense of like, you're talking about, you know, maybe some hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're not talking about millions of dollars. So, and in my experience, um, the horror community, it's a lot more forgiving on a lack of budget as long as, you know, that the scares happen the way they do and this and that. And, uh, but with that being said, this movie, it, it, it does land more as kind of a sci-fi thriller that has horrific aspects to it on kind of a scary scale. I would give it maybe a five or six out of 10. So it's not very scary, but uh, this is my first official dry run going from shooting maybe, you know, 15 short films and, you know, actually scaling up to shoot something full length that now I'm going after distribution, money's coming in. Now I'm doing some marketing for, you know, doing the dance properly. This is my first experience doing that. Which... Yeah, I mean, and the fact that you did it, I mean, so many people say they want to be filmmakers, they want to make their own movies, but the the amount of them actually don't ever do it because they just, they reach an obstacle mm-hmm. they can't overcome, or they don't, or they don't get the funding, which is uh, usually a huge problem, and they can't make it the way they want to make it, so they give up. I mean, I personally am a huge fan of Kevin Smith, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you are, like, oh, I respect yeah. the sh- 
I respect the hell out of him for what he did with his career. He, he, I love that he maxed out like 17 credit cards to make his first movie and then paid them all off with the profit. Like that's just perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Uh But, and so, I mean, I would think, I mean, at least to me, if I want to make a movie, that's like my idol. So I'd be, I would try, I would be like trying to reach out to him, like, help me, please help me. And I think he, I, I believe he just bought a theater in New Jersey and he's trying to start his own film school there as well, which is interesting nice. as could be. Yeah. But, definitely. Which is. I'm, so I believe you said earlier that you had a great awakening. Or that that's the title, the title of the movie. Um, yeah. So the, the movie oh. title is called, yeah. The, uh, the title of the movie is called The Great Awakening. And it's, um, um, and that goes back into the emotion of uncertainty to where, uh, you know, in today's age, when people talk about a great awakening, they, I think most really connected to kind of a spiritual uh, aspect to where it's like opening the third eye, ascending to a, you know, into the fourth dimension and you know stuff like that whereas when you go way way back in history the great awakening you know is like the christian uh, christian crusades and you know it's like hey you follow my god or else um but then you know something that happened in between was um you know it's like the 70s uh, a lot of people view that as uh, another spiritual awakening to where now you have just a huge influx of various thoughts and various beliefs of it so um you know um yeah so it's like you have this person that believes this that person that believes that and yeah so titling it the great awakening just seemed appropriate which is interesting because i've i mean this is a paranormal show so i've talked to a handful of psychics and mediums over the last couple months and Mm -hmm. many they all agree that in the last five years there's been a spiritual awakening on earth that mm-hmm. we, that more and more, more and more people are getting in touch with their spiritual side and realizing they have abilities. They didn't realize they had earlier in their life that they can communicate with spirits possibly, or some of them think that some of them believe they can talk to angels, which I'm not going to deny that they can't. Cause who am I to say that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it could highly be possible. I'm agnostic. I don't believe in a lot of things, but I do believe that's possible to talk to, divine beings of some kind i hate to i hate to put the word angel in it but so yeah i mean the great awakening is a good idea for a movie right now especially because of this and they say that covid also enhanced the awakening a lot because people being stuck at home they start taking online classes on how to astral project themselves on how to try to communicate with the dead on how to like just do everything spiritual by themselves because they were stuck at home and bored so mm-hmm the spiritual awakening has been a big thing. I mean, do you, do you believe in the possibility of psych of psychic work, medium work? Uh, yeah. Uh, and that goes in line with how they say that we use such a very small percentage of our brain. So yeah, it makes to me, I think it's very plausible that, you know, if, if you go from using 10% up to 10.1, what exactly is possible like you don't have to go all the way up to 85 percent, but you know if you go up just a few percentage points it, it would be very interesting and that's where you know I, I, it to me I, I make sense of it with how if you have like a dog or a cat or if you have a young child that um is making sense of the world but nobody's telling them this isn't real this is what reality is if you have a child that's just being it's interesting how, you know, oftentimes you see them like looking at something and like following it around the room. And, um, that are, um, yeah, there was this one time in, uh, in this house I lived in, in Indiana, I was, um, you know, playing, uh, red light, green light with my sister and she was very young and it was red light, green light. And she, you know, kept walking, kept stopping. Um, and then, I said red light and she looked at me and then she went and she sat down uh, on her knees and put her hands up like this and said, I'm a dog now. And I was like, 
who are you talking to? And she said, uh, the man that's usually in my bedroom at night. And I was like, what? So I asked my dad about it. And he's like, yeah, she talks about how there's this guy who doesn't have legs. And it's like he's wearing a dark coat and a big hat. And he's hangs out like near the ceiling in her bedroom. She's made that comment. And, um, and when, um, so he has, he had the house because when I took off to Florida, I handed him the keys and he used to kind of taunt me because I, I told him the house is haunted and he's like, oh, whatever, you know, it's your first house and you're now out on your own in this net, whatever. Um, I'm like, dude, I'm telling you it is. Well, what, uh, after he moved into it, he called me up and apologized. And he said, everything you told me that's been happening, it's now happening to me uh, to where it's like, if I'm downstairs, I hear somebody walking in the hallway and it happens consistently enough that it doesn't even bother me. I used to get freaked out and go up and look for an intruder. Now it's just common. And every time I get in the shower and the water hits me, the doorbell rings it's clockwork it always does and um it, yeah and like I, I have probably about four four more stories that happen in that house but yeah so uh, my my sister uh used to see this guy in the house and then uh, i had a, a purebred german shepherd that, uh, named onyx every inch of the dog was just jet black and yeah sometimes you just see the dog like following something and uh, so to me, yeah, it's like uh, humans grow up and then they're instructed what's real and what's not real. So to some people that still believe and then you still have like some people that still believe and then maybe they tap into that again, not 10%, but maybe 10.1, 10.2. I, I think uh, a lot of things are interesting and very uh, plausible. Okay. Well, I so regret that I didn't open the show with my usual question of had you have have you had any experiences like that? I so wish I did that in the show, but and all right. So to break this down, because a couple things in this one. So the creature, the well creature, I don't want to call it a creature, the entity that your sister describes seeing all the time with the big hat and the cloak, or not cloak, mm-hmm. but jacket. That is actually a very famous case called Hat Man. A okay. lot of people, a lot of people see the Hat Man, especially children. A lot of children see the Hat Man, and it's a well-known. No one knows, you know, exactly what it is, of course, because no, no one ever can. But mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a type of spirit that likes to hang around houses, especially children. Like it, it, for some reason, they'll stand in doorways, stand in corners, and stare at people, and they don't ever do anything more than that. Sometimes they'll walk towards somebody but they won't but they will never like actually interact with somebody usually usually they just they're there for like a scare factor almost like no one i can't explain it no one can really explain it i mean i'm sure there's people out there that think they can but who knows right hi julie thank you for watching oops that click it twice yeah there okay <laughs> appreciate you watching um so and then and yeah i mean it's funny because i the house I live in, I've told the story a thousand times. It has the people who built the house still live here. The couple who built this house in '64 still live here, even though they're both passed on. And my, I have two. I have two purebred mastiffs, and the older one will always like she, when we used to actually let her like in the living room and stuff before they ruined the carpet. Um, she would come in and she would start just barking at random places in the room where there's nobody, and like especially mm-hmm. at the mirror. Like if like like she saw and then like she'll start sniffing around and barking more and you can't get her to calm down. Like you take her outside, she'd still be barking her head off in fear. And right. now they sleep in our they sleep in our basement now in, in their crates because they were making a mess of the kitchen. So we put them in the basement for now. They're getting moved to the garage soon. And they just like in the basement sometimes, like in the, like we'll be watching TV ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, and they just start barking their heads off like something's there. But it's there's nothing there that we can see i mean my mm-hmm. wife has seen my wife saw some stuff too and my wife can sense them she's a little bit sensitive towards these things because she grew up in a haunted house basically and like her family has seen things here too i just i'm lucky enough that i don't see things except for the, out of the corner of my eye 
But I did have one talk to me when I had investigators here back in December, but I'm not going to go into that full story because my listeners know that story by heart by now. But I had one of them say thank you in my ear when I was talking to the investigators about everything I did for the house. So nice. that's a mind-blowing which, experience. Yeah, which to me, that's that's awesome because, yeah, like, that. you know, I've been sitting down watching TV and instantly uh, I would just be in 100%, you know, like, fight or flight mode like what there's something very dangerous very close to me and it was like you know it felt like what a tiger was five feet away you know staring at me and i i didn't know you know why that was happening that stuff that's not cool but in the house i lived in i actually named it jester because it whatever was happening it would just you know mess with me and um like it i'm downstairs vacuuming um, and it was Sunday, so every window, every door is open, you know, change out the air and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, my stereo, that's only meant to interact with the, the TV, because uh, it, it was down in the basement, so the radio signal doesn't reach anything. So it's just set to that TV um, auxiliary thing. And um, all of a sudden, radio turned on, and it was switched to the radio uh, function went to the AM channel, went in between stations and the volume got turned all the way up. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm vacuuming and all of a sudden the surround sound was just nothing but white noise blaring at me. So I just <laughs> bolted from the house for it and stayed outside for about 15 minutes trying to make sense of what happened. Um, and to me, I, I'm like, Oh, Jester, you got me, you know? So it was stuff like that. But, um, you know, the, the time said, I actually felt like, oh, there's something like, you know, not nice or not with good intentions around. I've learned that if you tell them to leave and you say with um, intent, excuse me, uh, say with intent in your voice, um, you know, and, and just tell them that you're, that they're not welcome and they have to leave right now, then, um, you know, it's like usually it takes 10 seconds and then this random emotion that just came over me just kind of falls off. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, which, it's interesting. It, oh, it is. I mean, I never, I mean, I always believed in ghosts and spirits, but I never, until I met my wife and then she was my girlfriend, but when I would go to her house to stay for like the weekend, so, like every other weekend, she lived in the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's basically like mm-hmm. any other triangle. It's like the Bermuda Triangle or the Alaskan Triangle or the Anselbrego Triangle or any of the other triangles that are around the world that are known for having creepy supernatural stuff happen there. And, and so it's called what? The Bridgewater it's Triangle, because it, it's Bridgewater, in Massachusetts, okay. and Bridgewater's a town in Massachusetts. Yeah. But, um, and basically... Bridgewater Triangle, short history for anybody who doesn't know. The Wampatuck Native Americans were tribe were slaughtered there by a white man, like everywhere else in the United States. And on his last dying breath, the chief of the tribe cursed the land because he because his people were mm-hmm. un, unholy slaughtered in the swamps by white men just because they refused to give up their, give up their land. So ever since then, there's been a mass of everything in that area aliens bigfoot um alien black cats i mean alien big cats um mm. huge gigantic unfathomable snakes uh pudgewuckies which are basically look like ewoks but hmm. more human like and i yeah. mean every, everything so i mean i had i've had a ufo experience down there my wife's uh house she lived in fortunately with me was haunted as hell because it was built on native american burial ground and the things she would see in her room at night if she turned off all the lights were creepy as shit. So she never, since I met her, she never slept with the lights all, off. Like there's always a nightlight or two on at least. Yeah. So makes sense. Yeah. Until, until that point, I never had any real paranormal experiences because I, I, I grew up in houses that were built by my parents on perfectly non tainted land. So I never had anything when I was a kid that scared me or tried to scare me other than, you know, the classic horror movies like Friday the 13th. But yeah, so which nothing like watching your first horror movie of Friday the 13th, Jason takes Manhattan. And then you just because you live in New York and 
then you look out your window at two o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you think you see a hockey mask in the window. Yeah. yeah. That's nightmare fuel. But <laughs> but yeah. So I hundred percent I know spirits exist and I truly believe they exist and I would love to talk to them. Working on that, working on that. But well, the, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. oh no, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it, it was just interesting how you mentioned that uh, you had never had any interactions with him, but your wife grew up, you know, just being exposed to him her entire life. So now that you're in your home and uh, you have stuff happening with the with the OG homeowner, so I'm just kind of curious if it's uh, not so much them coming to you, but if your wife is kind of a magnet to make it more possible for people to uh, reach out. So maybe if she's like a potential reason why you're experiencing things. I don't, I mean, it's possible. I'm not going to say it's not possible, but she is a magnet for some sorts because she grew up when she was growing up, one of the houses they lived in for a little while was owned by John Adams, like the president, like that's how old the house it was. And like the stuff, she, her uncle would lock her and her sister in the basement because he wasn't a nice guy. And like they, he would leave the light off too. And I asked her like, why didn't you turn the light on then? She's like, because if you turn the light on, the stuff you see is so scary. You don't want to turn it on. Jeez. So yeah, I mean, I, I told her, don't ever, don't ever try to get me to go to that house. Never ever try to get me to go to that house and like even <laughs> see the outside of it. I don't want anything following me, but, but see, mm. um, the reason I think that they were the OG residents that are, are the spirits here is because the, I had paranormal investigators come in and they did like a couple hour like investigation in my house. And we used divining rods. We used a spirit box and they believe they talked to them and they believe they figured out who they were because they were responding to their names. They were responding mm -hmm. to their names and that, that we know obviously because it's in the records. And so... I truly believe they were the original couple that lived here. I think they just, according to the investigators, and I can kind of see why this would be, they never had children. So they like to watch over our kids. That's the thing. That's that. When we asked them that, they said yes, that they just want to watch over the kids because they couldn't have their own. So, I mean, to me, that makes sense at least. To me. I mean, it may not make sense to everybody, yeah. but it makes sense to me. And I can fully be happy with that. And, oh. Okay, so Julie had the same thing happening with uh, her house and a, a, a chihuahua, chihuahua, which a Mexican chocolate chihuahua. I actually kind of want to Google that when I get done. I want to go. I want to Google that and see what that looks like, actually. <laughs> but, huh? I mean, yeah, do dogs and cats are more sensitive to this stuff. Everybody, that's well, I'm gonna yeah. say everybody knows that, but that's a that's a commonly known fact nowadays, and. I mean, it's probably the reason I never wanted a dog because I don't want them pointing things out to me. <laughs> but, but I mean, I love my puppies and I would never treat them for anything, even though they are <sighs> messes, freaking mastiffs. They're he the one's nine months and freaking yeah. already like a full grown a full grown dog of any other breed. So yeah, I can't wait to see how big they get. So, have you ever thought about making like on kind of like a I'm gonna say an OG horror movie? about like spirits and ghosts or anything of that around that, that line. Yeah. So the, um, so I currently have, well, in all, I have about maybe 10 to 11 features, one TV series I'm trying to develop. Um, some of the scripts that I can just grab them and shoot them. Some of them still, you know, need work done to them. But the two that's at the top of the list that um, I actually plan on doing some work on tonight on one of them, um, the potential title is A Culpable Reckoning. And that's the story of an, of an EMT worker that, you know, it's like they show up in the ambulance and have to deal with whatever situations may be. And this guy, um, you know, he's he was clumsy a few times and and the person he's trying to save didn't make it. So instead of him, you know, saying I, I did my best and whatever, he's having the guilt and that guilt's going to end up haunting him. And then um, that uh, haunted emotion, it's going to take more of a, uh, more of a symbol symbolic meaning as the movie plays out being somewhat of a ghost house movie. 
So that's All one right. thing. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm thinking about. And I don't know, like, I'm not a huge fan of slashers just because for me, it's like horror movies. I love ones that can get very symbolic. Like, i um, not sure if you've seen the movie His House on Netflix. I have not. No. You, you got to check it out. It's fantastic. The, the, the camera, the image quality is just sickening. It's, it's so good. Um, very well acted. It's just a, a very complete product. But that's a perfect representation of when you watch a movie and, you know, what's scary um, and what's, you know, the, the monster. Um, in this story, the monster or what's scary represents something that as you watch the movie, eventually that comes to light of, oh, so they're being, they're essentially tormenting themselves and it's being played out by this external, you know, force of, you know, of a past event that took place. So uh, I'm usually into movies that, you know, kind of have that more psychological horror aspect to them, but I definitely have an idea uh, for a slasher movie on that involves heavy, uh, heavy reliance on camera movement to where people love watching horror movies. They love watching slashers. And, you know, it's like if you've seen a couple of them, you've seen them all and they have the, the typical uh, quips and stuff that we're all, all kind of used to seeing. So I would like to play uh, with the uh, time disruption on when certain events in the movie take place and how they go just uh, to you know kind of put my spin on it. Well, yeah, that that sounds interesting. I mean, I I agree. I mean, I don't want to watch a slasher movie just for, you know, like the original Friday the Thirteenth movies, like the first three or four. There's no meaning to them. It's just literally camp counselors getting like gutted, or yeah. hung, or burnt. But it's just to me. I mean, yeah, it's horror for horror's sake, basically. But mm -hmm. I like the fact that I like slasher movies where there's a point, like. Even like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's a point behind that and there's imagery behind that. Like there hundred percent is. Mm -hmm. And but I mean, I I agree though. Things have to make sense. Like that's why I love the Saw movies, because I love the Purge movies because it's all the Purge movies is honestly <laughs> sadly what I think we're coming to eventually in this world. But <laughs> I mean, I, I it's sad, but I yeah. truly think it's gonna happen yeah. someday. But might not be too far too far off of that. But, but let me ask you, do you believe in more not so spiritly entities, but do you believe in more like flesh and bone entities such as like Bigfoot, for example? It's to me with, uh, you know, technology and um, just the absolute disgusting um you know, percentage of how overpopulated the planet is, you know, it's like, yeah, if it's a flesh and bone entity, I'm like, we would have seen it by now. Like somebody would have captured it and it may not have been, you know, like CIA that would just want to hide it somewhere. It, it, you know, could have been our cousin Bubba out, you know, deer hunting and season takes it down. So as far as uh, flesh and blood, um, I'm not too keen on that, but you know, something that could maybe materialize and just kind of go away. I would actually lean more towards, uh, believing in something like that, opposed to a creature that has been widely talked about for years and years and years and nobody's seen it. So maybe if, um, you know, if Bigfoot did exist, maybe. It existed, but then it, you know, it, it died and, you know, the, the worms consumed it before, you know, it's seen again. So, yeah. See, I, so you believe more in like the ultra terrestrial theory that there are more interdimensional creatures that can come into this dimension when they want to and then leave just as fast. Yeah. And Bigfoot can very easily, you know, kind of fall into that category. Whereas if, Bigfoot, you know, if he's, uh, you know, a timeless creature here on Earth, um, it's like, where would he go in today's age to where we couldn't find him? Like, with the, 
again, the type of technology we have. And it's like, you know, where, uh, you, you know, I'm just struggling with making sense of how, you know, how that would happen. Cause you know, I definitely heard uh, about like Skinwalker ranch and stuff like that. And you know, the phenomena that, uh, that happened, but, um, yeah, I'm just kind of yeah. curious about like, okay, how does Bigfoot, you know, get seen and then he vanishes and goes away and people have no idea where he went to. Well, I mean, well, okay. I was, I was hoping you would clear that up because I was going to say, I'm like, there have been plenty of sightings of Bigfoot, but plenty. I, I belong to Facebook mm-hmm. groups where there's new ones every day. I mean, or people reporting new ones from like 30 years ago every day, but I mean, there are plenty of places in the United States, though, where there's plenty of forests that are acres and acres and hundreds of acres big that something could disappear in. And I, I mean, I tend to believe that they are flesh and blood. Like, I tend to believe they are something left over from when we were homo sapiens thousands and tens of thousands of years ago, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of years ago. Because, I, I, well, one, they're seen all over the world in different styles and sizes and shapes. Like, there's a Sasquatch for every country, basically. Every yeah. continent has m- multiple Sasquatches. So, something that's similar, I can't turn away. But it's also the fact that... the Maybe the fact they're not found is because the government damn well knows they're there. I'm sure of that. But they don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. Watch. The next the next time a plague gets as bad as uh, COVID, that, that'll be what they admit to, not aliens. It'll be, <laughs> oh, yeah. Bigfoot's real. We've known it for hundreds of years. We just don't say anything. Yeah. And I mean, I Maybe, won't, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll end it by saying this, though, because I uh, Small Town Monsters, I don't know if you ever heard of them. I wouldn't be surprised if not, but they are a production company that does documentaries on different paranormal subjects. And mm-hmm. they've done three Finding uh, Bigfoot f- films now. And in the second one, they actually went to the Olympic Project out in Washington. And you have to get special permission to go in this area because it's not like anybody can just walk down there. Like it's a, it's either a government or like a, or a government like released research facility. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, there they found nests like rows and rows of Bigfoot nest, and these were things that were so big that no other creature would make these. A bear doesn't make a nest in the ground, like no other creature would make a nest in the ground like this. They were huge, which I, I mean, it's, it's still on my to watch list, uh, sadly, because I'm so, I watch so many movies for podcasts. That's not even funny. So there, I, it's on my to watch list still, but I will say anybody who wants to question Bigfoots should watch small town monsters documentaries because they could teach everybody a lot of things about a lot of different things. They got some good dog man ones too. I don't know if you ever heard of dog nice. man, but Oh yeah, but uh, that, I mean, that was in, that was included in uh, I think when I read up on the Skinwalker Ranch, it was kind of that same time period of coming across various things, and then you have uh, like the gems over in Asia and stuff like that. To where yeah, th- there's this, this time of trying to see okay, what's all of kind of I'm used to the Bigfoot folklore stories and growing up, and I've seen images, but what else are people talking about? So yeah, I went through a um, short stint of, you know, trying to make sense of that. Which in the paranormal world, there's a lot of different things to make sense of. And there truly is. And yeah. no one can, no one can truly make sense of them all because it's a lot of unknowns. And that's the biggest issue. It's, it's so, just like, it's just like what, uh, what they say about, you know, exploring the universe, you know, the, the more we learn, the less we understand. Exactly. I mean, but I will say it's funny that we know more about space than we do about the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. That is quite comical, actually. Because, <laughs> I mean, you think they'd be wanting to know about the ocean unless they really already know what's down there and they don't want to bother it. Because yeah. I've heard plenty of stories about the possibility that megalodons exist still and plenty of stories mm-hmm. about sea monsters and all that fun stuff, but what can I say? We can't prove any of this stuff until we do, and I eventually am going to have a uh, dracontology expert on this show who is going to talk about her continual search for Champ, the Lake Champlain sea monster, and 
she's actually been to Loch Ness too, I believe, to look for Nessie a couple times. And I am in the works of trying to work this couple that's off the grid to coming on my show to doing a recording with me, not a live one, but a recording because they live in a sanctuary where they look after a couple families of Bigfoots, supposedly. And they post pictures online all the time of, but they're behind, I mean, they're in foliage, they're in foliage, they're in trees, so who knows? I mean, mm -hmm. I can see outlines somewhat in some of them, but I just, I want to talk to them. I don't want to say, I don't want to say like anything else. I just want to talk to them. Like I, at, at this point, I don't want to reveal too much because they like to keep their identity secret, but yeah, but I, but Bo, I thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you and Likewise, I, man, I mean, yeah. it's been a pleasure. I mean, fun conversation about movies, which I love and a fun conversation about paranormal, which of course I love because I do a show on it. <laughs> and uh, but, Juicy Jane ICP. So I know <laughs> I'm still shocked by that. Come yeah, on. So. <laughs> you getting it. Oh, wait, wait till my listeners hear this episode. I, I might lose a few people hate on Juggalo still, but we'll see. I don't care if they do. If they lose them, I lose them. That, if I that's, don't, that's, that's part, part of it though. It's like they, they're definitely not PC by design. So it's, yeah. Which to me, neither yeah. am I. Neither am I. Yeah, which I, I, I think that's why, you know, I kind of had that random thought, but yeah, how it synced up with, with you and how you brought that up, that was very weird. But yeah, like one thing I still enjoy doing is uh, jumping on uh, Clubhouse, which came out uh, during lockdown. It's like a, a voice based um, chat program. Like you go into a chat room and it's, uh, you just talk to people. Yeah. But I love going into the, the roast rooms because it is the most vulgar and aggressive non-PC place yeah. you can really get to. And like, so I, I go in there and just listen to people just going at it. And then I go into a room where you have atheists talking to Christians and, um, you know, citing philosophy and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm all for you know. Let's see, you know, people a bit more stripped down and you know what they really think on stuff. So it's, uh, yeah. So jugglers definitely fit the bill for that. <laughs> oh, we fit the bill for a lot of things that people hate, but, but I will say, thank once again, thank you for coming on. Um, please, once again, tell the audience where they can find you if they want to find out more about you or where they can find your movie. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Bo Roberts, uh, spelled B-O. And very easily enough, if you just go on social media, it's pretty synonymous across every platform with the uh, at Mr. Bo Roberts. Uh, so on IG, uh, that's the platform I frequent the most. Uh, if you type in M-R-B-O-R, -R, then autofill should take care of the rest. And yeah, I, I would love if you could watch my mo movie, The Great Awakening, and then come back, track me down and send me a message and tell me what you liked about it, what you didn't like, um, you know, and kind of what the ending means to you is it's intentionally left to be more open-ended um, specifically because back to the great awakening and how, as you go through history, you have different versions of it and kind of how it changed its appearance and meaning. So yeah, do that. And you can watch it on Tubi. And it's currently being onboarded on Amazon Prime, so it's probably going to take maybe a couple of weeks for that to be viewable. But um, in the meantime, you can check it out on TV if you can sit through the commercials, which I'm on board with you, Jeremy, that if I'm watching a movie, um, I'm not a huge fan of them. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I have no choice if it's like an old movie that it's the only place it's on is Tubi. Well, that used to be the case. I have a special device now, but we won't talk about that. I don't need the FBI knocking my door. But, And as all my listeners know, you can find me on Facebook on the Paranormal The New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast with the S group. And you can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. So please come check it out. You can see everything I do on Facebook. And my listeners should know this already. I want to thank my guest one more time for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I didn't know how this interview was going to work out completely because it wasn't 
it wasn't like a medium psychic or something I'm used to talking to, but it worked out great. And I had a great conversation for an hour or so. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm down. I'm down like a, down like an insane clown. And we're going to end it up right there on that one. Have a good night, folks.